is the Sluggo. Slant and go. Georgia Tech, Florida State. If you're going to ruin this show by doing research, Notre Dame. My dentist is a Notre Dame grad. Definitely smells. Casey, the beef, Cregan. Look at my shirt. It's the orange one today. There you go. Repping, repping, take, uh, what is it? Uh, wearing the <laughs> wearing the concert t-shirt to the concert. I like it a lot. The alternate jersey, as we like to call it. That's right. I'm trying to share this thing, but I can't apparently. So there's Kevron. What's up, Kevron? Good to see you in. For two weeks now, I've had this great joke ready to start the show with, and I forgot both weeks. So let me just get it out of the way so All you right. can tell me how corny it is. I was going to introduce myself as, you know, seldom you deserve Marty Clone, blah, blah, blah. And you were going to be the guy that uh, the bowl, the Beef O'Brady Bowl is named after. So it didn't, it's not very funny and it didn't work. Maybe I should have never said that one. But, I like uh, anyway. it. I like it. Especially because <laughs> yeah. it was in Tampa and I lived there for so many years. So, yeah. That's a story we want to get into. Um, not necessarily, well, living in Tampa, but also your uh, selling Tampa Bay Rays um uh, season tickets in the off season sometime we don't have anything to talk about we got plenty to talk about today yeah. Oh, yeah. but um uh because i i told parker that and that's how you became one of parker's favorites because he's like <laughs> what somebody sold season ticket because you know that's a big joke in baseball right you look around there's 15 people in the stands they're a really good baseball team and man what a job that must have been well, it was even worse back then. The names were there in town, but uh, well, there's also I, I don't work for them anymore, and that that job was pretty short lived. So you can imagine why when you're a commission based salesperson, uh, when you know it's it's tough to make a living. But I was young and dumb, and uh, it was great to go to the ballpark every day. I was at the oh, yeah. ballpark every day, and that was so, a lot of fun. That does sound like a lot of fun, especially in Tampa. Uh, I haven't been there in that area much, but I've been there some. The, the so, stadium yeah. gets a really bad rap because it's not in the best area, but the downtown area is really up and coming and really nice and kind of um, – it's a lot like Greenville, and people will probably kill me for that, but downtown <laughs> St. Pete is a lot like downtown Greenville. So it's got like one main road, except there's beautiful the Gulf of Mexico at the other end. Um, so, it, it, you know, it's a concrete jungle around the stadium. Um, and of course, it's indoors, so people kill you for that. But if if they weren't indoors, they'd have rain delays. I know this isn't a Tampa Bay Rays show, but they would have rain delays every day. Um, there were many days I'd walk into the park at four o'clock drenched, and by seven it was gone. Uh, so yeah, it, it's it's a it, it gets a bad rap. People don't go for some reason. I don't get it. I went as often as I could, even when I didn't work for them uh, and live there. And it, and they have a good product, so we'll talk more baseball down the line. Yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah, I have to rep my my Tampa folks. I do remember being in that general area one time. There was a conference in Sanibel Island. Man, beautiful place, beautiful, yes. beautiful place. Yeah. So, hey, uh, you and I were talking early in the week, and uh, I had gotten a message on Instagram from from our friend Terji over at the Pitball Sauce, and. You know, much like a lot of companies these days, he's struggling a little bit at home there in Greenville um, with the pandemic. So I thought we'd mention Terji, the Pitball Sauce Company, and I know you got something to show the folks out there. Yeah, actually, I, I forgot I had it in the back. He sent, I, I bought four bottles of it. Uh, actually, I think he sent us one, and I bought three bottles of it. I went through the other three very quickly, and I was like, you know what? Let me just look in the fridge tonight. I still have it. This was gold. 
we love Terji, and, and this yeah. this this isn't a, a. I mean, I guess it is a plug, but this isn't a plug. <laughs> We're actually connoisseurs of the product too. Yes. So I actually told my wife the other day when I ran out of of barbecue sauce that I needed to get more, and uh, she put it on the uh, on the grocery list. But I said, no, no, that wasn't what I meant. Thankfully, I found this. It will get used this week. There's some chicken on the menu, I think, that she's making this week. So uh, we love Pit Boss Sauce. We love Terje Pollard. Just a, yeah. just a really good dude and uh, doing a really good – he's always giving stuff away. And I yeah. want to tell him, like, Terje, that's not how you run a business. But uh, he's such a nice soul, such a kind man, and uh, he's right there in Greenville. And, and his yeah. product is really good. Um, so get out there and, and check it out if, if you can. Very reasonably priced. I was surprised at how inexpensive it was. So pitballsauce.com. He's over in Greenville. You know, we had Alice Tolbert on. Remember, they lit, he was like a mile and a half from him or something. So yeah. if you're in Greenville, check out Terji at the at the Pitball Sauce. He's a good guy and a good and good sauce. Casey, um, thanks to your help, uh, I was able to post my second article on the college sports, college with a K sports blog. Uh, as Nelson reminded me, it's a blog uh, and not an article. Um, but anyway, uh, that one's done a little bit better than first. It was about 730 views the last time I checked it out. So a lot of fun over there on college sports. And I know you're doing Sidelines Clem, which is related to college sports. And it confuses an old dude like me, but maybe you can explain it a little bit. I can explain it. I just, I th- we're, we're all part of the Sidelines network is all part of the college sports network and that is college with a k k-o-l-l-e-g-e uh sports network i think i believe that's the parent company um and we're we're working with the sidelines brand so it's fun a, a great group of guys and gals that run all sorts of colleges from all over i mean heck they're gonna do they're doing some hockey stuff they're doing uh some lacrosse they're they're running the gambit um we got randolph macon we got uh, ecu of course we got bama tennessee uh, just about every school you could possibly imagine we have coverage and it, it's pretty neat. We talk uh, amongst ourselves about daily. Um, they, they apparently uh, like the fresh blood that's coming in and they're really trying to grow. It's, it's really a new guy. Actually, the guy from Randolph Macon is, is the or, uh, Hampton Sydney, excuse me, is the guy that kind of runs the whole show. And he's really, he's young. He's in grad school. He has great vision and uh, is doing really good things. So I'm I'm, in, I'm enjoying it. It's not a job for me. You know, it's just a lot of fun uh, to talk college football and college sports with others. It is. And I wanted to shout out to those guys because, uh, you know, we just started this and we have a, I have a small following on Twitter for the uh, Sluggo podcast account. They always retweet um, or like our stuff. So they're getting us out there. We appreciate that from those guys. It is a lot of – I've enjoyed writing those two articles, um, both of them about quarterback positions. So maybe that's why they got so many views when I'm writing about, uh, you know, uh, left guard. Maybe not so much, right? But, hey, before we go any further, Casey, uh, Georgia Tech's up 32-28 to 28 over the Tigers with 434 34-28 oh, with 433 to go in the first half. So Tigers still struggling a little bit. Um, coming back from their COVID break, I thought Georgia Tech would struggle a little bit, and that has not happened so far. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, Rob, you, you know I mix up my NHL hats. This is actually where my allegiance lies, so I apologize to you. But, yeah, I am a, a Rangers honk. Hey, a Rangers honk. Hey, this we're going to talk now about something that we're not experts on, but we're really trying. I'm trying to get better about it. Uh, recruiting and 
this is not – we have uh, a good smattering of Ohio State fans on the college Facebook group um, who haven't talked much uh, lately. But um, anyway, um, and last Saturday I was able to watch a high school football game. It was Westlake uh, High School in the Austin area. Westlake's actually a suburb of Austin, but it, they use Austin as their, you know, when it says Austin Westlake, um, uh, which is the alma mater of Drew Brees, Nick Foles, Sam Ellinger, Justin Tucker, you know, all these guys, but um, quite the lineage of quarterback there. And the quarterback now is Cade Klubnick. I'm not sure if it's Klub or Club. I think it's Klubnick. And they were playing South Lake Carroll, which has a quarterback history of its own. Um, but the quarterback du jour there this year is Quinn Ewers, who's a Ohio State commitment. So I wanted to watch this game because a new uh, Ewers uh, decommitted from Texas. He's going, committed to Ohio State. And, and Klubnick's getting some run from Clemson these days, from, from what I'm reading and hearing. Klubnick's a junior. Ewers is a senior. Uh, and it's really weird. They were playing high school football in January, but, you know, this has been a really weird year, at least 2020 was. So here's what I noticed. Quinn Ewers is really good. He's more developed. Um, he's ahead, and which makes sense. He's a senior versus a junior for a club name, but it's a whole different kind of offense. But the thing is, Westlake had a much better team around clubbing. Yours had one guy who had like nine receptions in the first half for 120 yards. He was kind of like Devontae Smith, actually, in the championship game. So that was basically their team. And once that was stopped, they struggled and he threw a couple of interceptions. But I'll say this. Yours is the real deal. He was, per- he was perfect passes, perfect spirals, hit guys in stride. You know, later on when they trailed, and Westlake ended up winning, by the way, when they trailed, uh, he threw a couple of interceptions, and a couple of them were bad. But I don't judge him on that. I judge him on the when the game was close, he came out of the box, and he led him right down the field for a touchdown against a team that scored 50 – given up 51 points the entire season. So yours is the real deal. I know Ohio State has a quarterback for next year. You know, put him in the pipeline, either, you know, let him learn or redshirt him, you know, whatever, play four games, whatever the deal is. But he's going to be good. But I have to be really impressed by Klubnik. He's taller, skinnier, um, and it's hard to see him. I'm not an evaluator of high school football talent, but it's hard to see him running in the mold of Trevor Lawrence or even DJ because he's not the powerful, you know, uh, guy that DJ is, and he's not. He doesn't have the stride that Trevor does. But all that said, he did make a couple of big runs in that game. So here's what I'm saying: If we end up with Kate Klubnik. I think he's going to be good. The pedigree from the high school is incredible. I mean, what other high school has two Super Bowl MVP quarterbacks, <laughs> you know, plus the iconic Texas Sam Ellinger quarterback there. So anyway, um, that's my rant, on, not rant. That's my talk on recruiting. Yours is going to do good things at Ohio State. Wherever Klubnik goes, he's going to do good, and Clemson be really lucky to get him. Yeah, and, and it's on par with what your last two uh, articles for the College Sports Network. It's it's talking about that quarterback. So I know that is something that is on the front of a lot of our minds for uh, as Clemson fans as to who's going to be next. Um, you know, maybe it is a guy like like Klubnik or Klubnik, whatever, however you pronounce it. And but you but we're still pitting that against what we what we know. Um, 
you know, we know that John Chancey coming in saying they're both class of 22. Is that? That's, that's probably why I don't do much recruiting. <laughs> and then John, John does a lot. Of, he helps us out a lot on, on the uh, seldom use reserve discussion Thanks, board John. page as well. So, yeah, thank you for that. Um, but that it, it goes along with what our, our theme has been the last couple of weeks, especially with your articles uh, about the quarterback. You know, it, it, Clemson fans have been completely spoiled with even when it goes back to Taj, Taj Boy to to Deshaun Watson, to Trevor Lawrence, to DJ. And we're looking for to keep that going if that guy exists. Uh, maybe a guy it is. Maybe it is a, a, a Cade Klubnik. Um, maybe it's somebody else that we haven't heard of yet. Maybe it's the guy from the, the kid from Tennessee um, that they're high on as well. We'll see. We'll see. We, we can only hope, right? I, I think that that cycle probably has to stop at some point. I hope it doesn't stop. I hope it stops later rather than sooner. But we'll, we'll see. And, yeah, like you said, too, I want to get better at recruiting, too. I, I like following it a little bit. I don't want to get in, get in these guys watching film every day about them, but I want to know enough. And I think I did at the beginning of the year. I think we both did at the beginning of the year watched, especially who uh, was being committed and signing and who Clemson was looking at. So we'll get better at it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess I, I, my only reasoning for thinking that yours was perhaps a senior was because of – it doesn't seem like many juniors decommit and then commit to somebody else right away, right? So that on my part, thank you, John Chancey. Appreciate that. Hey, we're coach. not a, we're not above being wrong. We're we're okay with being wrong. If you, just just ask face. our wives. Just ask our wives. <laughs> <laughs> not only are we not above it, we are quite often wrong. So um, we appreciate the uh, yeah, the info and the update. All right, Clemson made some changes in the coaching staff. Now, depending on your point of view, this was either the greatest thing that ever happened and, you know, everything's going to be right next year or it's no big deal. I don't know. I don't know what to think. Um, your offensive coordinator is no longer the running backs coach. He's now the tight ends coach. Um, the tight ends coach is off the field. Checking out the transfer portal, among other duties, that seemed to get everybody all riled up. Uh, you know, so what was your take on Clemson's uh, coaching changes over the last week? I probably fall into the no big deal thing. I, I really, I do like the hire of CJ Spiller. He's paid all his dues. He went from a grad assistant into an analyst role into now the running backs coach. And he subbed in for the, for Tony Elliott in the playoff game. I really like having a guy of that stature, knowing the system, knowing the school, knowing Dabo. Heck, it was Dabo's first big time five-star recruit. Uh, out of Union County, Florida. I, I love having him, a guy that's going to be in the ring of honor in the coaching staff, and he did it the right way. He, we didn't just go out and grab a name of somebody that is, was at Clemson just and plugged him in. Um, he earned his keep, and, and having somebody of that clout in that room with those guys I think is going to be a really good thing. I think the thing that's getting a lot of pub, pub is that when they, they moved Danny Pierman over to um, a role, basically an off-field role that's in charge of the transfer portal. Everyone jumped on it and said, that's it. We're going to go out and get an Eric Gilbert. We're going to go out and get one of these guys that's that one of these thousand kids that are in the transfer portal. I don't think that's the case. And I'm, I'm taking a little bit from Houston Burnett last night. And I, I listened to him, um, but, he, but he had the same thoughts that I, I have. So I'm, I'm kind of going to parrot him a little bit, but I want to make sure that I give him, uh, cite my source a little bit. Um, I don't. I think it's a needs-based thing. I don't think it's a, a just go out and get a five-star tight end because you already have that guy. You already have those guys, and then the number one tight end, Brinningstool, coming next year in the country. You already have a, a Davis Allen. You already have a, a Galloway, and now you're gonna 
you're, you're bringing in the number one tight end recruit uh, from all recruiting services from uh, from Tennessee. You're not going to go out and get the guy just because you want to go get him. I think if there's a need, maybe it's safety or something that you you're, you you lost out on a guy you really thought was coming. All right, maybe now we need to go grab a guy that has a couple years eligibility. I don't think you're going to go hit the grad transfer market. I, I really don't. Uh, Dabo's done that before, kind of to, to allow guys to get some experience. I don't know we names that you don't really even know or remember. Uh, I remember a quarterback from Stanford that was a grad transfer that came in, oh, yeah. uh, but I, I don't think it's I don't think it's going to change the world. Uh, interesting that Tony Elliott's moving from running backs to tight ends, but I think that's more of who you had with C.J. Spiller. I think you want to keep C.J. At, at the running back because heck, he was an NFL running back. Um, so I, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the, the group of eh, no big deal, but I do like the moves. Yeah. And, and let's face it, Tony Elliott wasn't a running back in Colorado. He's a wide receiver, yeah. which is closer to a tight end than, than a running back, obviously. So yeah, I'm in the, I'm in the, I'm in the camp of, I trust Dabo and, you know, to make the moves that's best for the team. He's not going to make these moves and put CJ Spiller as running back coach just for the heck of it, because, you know, to give him a, to do him a solid as the kids say, yeah. right? <laughs> All right, uh, John Chancy. I think the transfer portal allows them to fill spots they miss on in recruiting. It lets them be even more exclusive with scholarship offers. Hundred percent. Yeah, I think we both can agree on that. Hey, some other news out of Clemson. All eleven defense. I only have ten fingers, but all, all eleven <laughs> defensive players. Justin Ross, perhaps if he passes all of his tests. And Will Spears is back to do the punting. So we're waiting on BT. Nelson told me he was waiting on BT Potter. And I'm like, okay, I didn't even know that was a thing. But we're waiting on BT Potter. And then it'll be all 13 of them or whatever. So at least 11 on defensive back. I heard somebody even say it was 12 because somebody else who was a part-time starter was coming back. XT, Xavier Thomas. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. The defense next year, I think, needs some changes. I think they got they got exposed a little bit against Ohio State, but on the other hand, you know, Wake Forest ain't gonna be able to do that to Clemson. You have to have the athletes to do that against Clemson. But it tells you when they play those playoff games, perhaps ACC championship against North Carolina, maybe you have to be ready. And you have to play a different style of defense. But all eleven coming back plus Justin Ross. What's your take? Yeah, and I think you're exactly right too. With the the blueprint is out how to beat Clemson, and it started with that 2017 Syracuse game, where they just started moving faster than than Clemson could, than uh, Brent Venables could get his perfect defense call in. Uh, he always wants to make the the last call, and and we've seen again in that game, which started it, but they didn't have the they did beat Clemson that night, but they didn't have the athletes to continue to do that through the years. But teams that that aren't going to beat you every week in the ACC be trying that are, are going to beat you as we've seen the last two games in the playoff uh, that Clemson's been in with the athletes. Um, you know, I, I love the fact that all 11 guys are coming back, but this wasn't a defense that we, it wasn't the 2018 Clemson defense. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't the power Rangers on the defensive line. Now, could it be, could they be better with Brian Bercy and Miles Murphy, a healthy, hopefully tra- uh, Tyler Davis, you got XT on one side. People aren't really talking about KJ Henry, but he's coming back for another year too, and and he needs to to up his draft stock. I'm not a huge fan of DK, but I talked about it last last week. I love the fact that he has the opportunity to become a leader on this team. 
I hope he is. Safety is a place that concerns me. We hope that we can get uh, something out of out of Joseph Charleston, somebody else to step up. We know what we have with Nolan Turner. We know what we have with Landon Sanders. We hope we need somebody else. We need some depth there. Keep saying we, but Clemson needs some depth there. I think the corner is going to be a strength. I think I really do think the corners are uh, with Andrew Booth, uh, Fred Davis having a year under his belt and had some meaningful reps. DK, obviously, I, I think we're going to be okay on that side. But uh, linebacker, I didn't even mention that. We're, we're loaded at linebacker. Clemson is absolutely loaded at linebacker and, of known quality. Now we're bringing in a guy like Barrett Carter, um, defensive line. We're bringing in a Peyton Page. So there's so much talent, and you get the 11 guys that you know. So we hope that uh, underneath that, the, the depth keeps building under them. Um, it could be a real strength. I hope it is as a Clemson fan. We'll see because, it, like I said, it wasn't statistically. It was it was one of the worst defenses that given up big yards last year in the country. Um, so they got to share stu- stuff up. Are they going to run a four man front? Are they going to stay three? Are they going to go three three five? Are they going to go three two six? Are they going to you know what are they going to what are they going to run? Because um, you know Venables is going to blitz. Yeah, well, it's that old joke, right? That I used to. I think I've already used it two or three times on this show that. When you look at those charts and say, like, like uh, I'm trying to think of a team, like Hawaii has all 11 defensive starters returning. You're like, yeah. is that a good thing? <laughs> is, that, you know, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? What is that? But obviously, these are better athletes than that. And I trust Vent Venables. <laughs> Brent Venables. I trust Brent Venables to uh, find the answers that we need until proven otherwise. So I'm all for it. I'm glad they're back, especially Skolski. Um, and and Nolan Turner, who, you know, nobody wanted 16 years ago when he's a freshman, he first came in. But now it's like, oh, my God, he's coming back. He's coming back. So good deal. I think it's also a thing about because we know. We know yeah. what we have. Well, there's with, comfort with in that, that. Yeah. 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 You know what you got. You're not out there wondering. All right. Hey, Casey, I saw a mock draft today, and I texted you and locks this, but I saw a mock draft today that had the top four this way. Trevor Lawrence to Jacksonville, Zach Wilson, quarterback from BYU to the Jets. The Panthers from the Dolphins would take Justin Fields, quarterback Ohio State. I don't know how Clemson fans feel about that one, but what was the showstopper was number four. It's our boy, Max Smith from Alabama. Max Smith, Mac Jones from Alabama, um, who I swear I have better footwork than in the backyard throwing the ball to Parker. I have better footwork than Mac Jones. He looks like he's 95 playing quarterback. He will get demolished in the NFL. That's my prediction. I'm not saying he's not good, but guess what? His wide receivers aren't going to be open by four yards in the NFL. What do you, what's your take on that? Yeah, mark the tape. 23 minutes and two seconds. Marty said Mac Jones won't be good. Just in case, you know, isn't, isn't there that Twitter, the, uh, the cold takes exposed? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, I've been kind of jibing, uh, jibing, jabbing with with the sidelines at Bama guy, and I believe he's like twelve years old. But uh, I, I've been jabbing with him. Uh, he's, a, he's a young guy, but he's very knowledgeable. He's good. He's a good. He's very good to follow if if you like Alabama. Uh, I I said, and this is a big joke. Jake Coker is greater than Mac Jones, and I don't know if a lot of people out there remember Jake Coker, but Jake Coker is the one who beat Clemson in twenty fifteen. The, the first the first Alabama Clemson game out in Phoenix, 45-41. What's he doing now? You know, um, 
Yeah, I'm not high on Mac Jones, but and I I might be wrong, and I'm okay with it. Again, I know he's going <laughs> he's going to the Senior Bowl. Maybe he'll show out there. But once again, he's going to have DBs there or uh, wide receivers there that are going to be frisbee catching dogs, as I say. Um, yeah, going fourth to the Falcons. Um, you know, I, maybe it'll rile up the fan base a little bit as it's relatively close to Alabama. Maybe some Alabama people are are also Falcons fans. But to see that one through four is kind of funny. Um, to be honest with you, in the Northeast, no one's talking about Zach Wilson from BYU. So I don't know if that's necessarily something. That doesn't mean anything, but uh, no sports talk has mentioned Zach Wilson. But they have mentioned Justin Fields. And actually, the name that's really getting a lot of pub up here is our boy, Deshaun Watson. Yeah, well, he's getting pub everywhere, even in Houston. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, to come play here in yeah, my backyard in Florham Park. Know. I know. Uh, he's getting pub in Florida, and I've seen Carolina. <laughs> I've seen Chicago. That's what I'm saying. He's, everybody wants – isn't it funny? Everybody wants Deshaun. Nobody, not even the Bears, want Trubisky. So <laughs> kind of weird how how that uh, – A lot of quarterback out. jobs are going to be open, though, with, with uh, – Philip Rivers just announcing today. We, yeah. we we think Drew Brees is going to announce at some point too. So there's going to be some some very attractive NFL quarterback jobs open. We'll see. Now let's 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 really say what I was trying to get across. I, it's a little bit of hyperbole in there, but I wasn't saying he wasn't going to be good. I'm not saying he's not number four draft pick good. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I number twenty nine. You know me. I go off somewhere else. <laughs> number. Number twenty. Well, I did say he was going to get blasted. So number twenty nine in the pit in the draft, maybe number four. I mean, come on. You could choose. Uh, what is it? Penesol from yeah. uh, from Oregon, Oregon, or you know, one of these other quarterbacks. I I just don't see it. Uh, he yeah. may be fine. He may be another um, uh, Trubisky, right? High completion percentage, win the game here or there, and you're going okay, but just not. You know. Like I said, four years later, everybody wants Deshaun. Nobody wants Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, I, I agree with you. But it's funny, too, that they, they had the Panther, Panthers at three because the Dolphins, if they're going to stick with uh, Tua, then they would they could trade out of that. But they really need a wide receiver. And and I, I know they're linked to Devonta Smith or uh, Jamar Chase from LSU who sat out this year. So uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Maybe they can get them further down. I don't know. It's it, I love the NFL draft. I can't wait to to talk to our guy from 11warriors.com. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, to be fair, the Dolphins probably have 17 draft picks from the Houston Texans. They for, do. They <laughs> do. For Laramie Tunsil. Yeah. 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 For, for Mr. Gas Mask. All right. Hey, uh, other Clemson news or and college football news. Now, you know, we all became a little bit of, of uh, University of South Florida fans uh, last year when Jeff Scott got that job. And now we all got – this becomes a little bit tougher, right? We all got to become UL Monroe fans, uh, which I don't think they led a game at any point in this last year. I think – I heard that before the last game. I don't know if they made it through the last game without leading uh, Mark, which will live in infamy. Terry Bowden, Clemson grad assistant, skips all the other levels, goes straight to head coach. <laughs> um but he hired Maverick Morse, Hot Rod McDowell, and Xavier Brewer, and there was another uh, coach in there with, that I think was a grad assistant at Clemson uh, a few years ago that's going to work on the defensive side of the ball. All those guys are going to Monroe, Louisiana. 
Now, I interviewed Hot Rod on another iteration of the podcast way back when. Super duper guy, great. A lot of fun to talk to. You can't help but smile when you talk to Hot Rod. Love it. I'm going to follow Monroe closer than I did, which was not hardly at all. But but they did play Texas State down the road every other year. So I'll follow them closely. But those guys got an uphill battle. And because their schedule, I, I posted this on uh, on the Facebook group, I think. LSU. Um, another SEC, Kentucky, I think, and then Louisiana and Coastal Carolina and Appalachian State are all in their conference. So tough road to hoe for those guys, but good luck to those uh, Clemson, uh, former Clemson players and alums going over to work with Terry Bound at ULM. Yeah, I like the fact that these guys are getting jobs. They're getting position coaching jobs because they were analysts at Clemson or helping maybe even off-field help uh, and even Terry Bowden heck he was a head coach for a long time he was at Auburn and then he went to Toledo was he at Toledo or Akron one of those two in in the MAC he had some he enjoyed some action and then came to came to Clemson just kind of as a voluntary thing Uh, wanted to get his grad degree so he was a grad assistant now he want I guess he wanted to be a head coach again so I like the fact that he took – I hate that he took four guys from Clemson, but I, I like that he took the guys that he took and is giving them a job to step up. Uh, I think Hot Rod's going to be coaching the running backs as well as you should. I think Maverick Mars is going to be on the offensive side of the ball as well. Uh, so, I, you know, it, it's a great thing. And, and, and it's like last year with, with Jeff Scott when he went to the University of South Florida. He had a rebuild. He still has a rebuilding project going, but he took the likes of, of Daquan Bowers. Um, he took Chancey, uh, was it Chancey Stuckey? He took a couple of guys from Clemson too that are down there helping him out and his dad for, for, uh, yeah, he took his dad too. So this is something that I guess Clemson has to deal with. They don't lose their big name position coaches very often, but they are losing a lot of the grad assistant guys, um, to other who are following. So I'm sure when the likes of Tony Elliott or Brent Venables are to take a head coaching job, they're going to take some guys with them as well. Just it's like a, yeah, it's the nature of the beast, and it's what a friend of mine told me. He was talking about going to uh, to grad school and then getting his doctorate, and he was telling me that they don't want you to do that all at the same school. You know, they sometimes they prefer that you get a, a variety of experience. And the same thing applies in coaching, right? This may not turn out well for them. Who knows? I know it's going to be a, a rough go, at least at the, get, the beginning. But they're going to gain valuable experience in that, you know, almost every coach at one point or another has been fired. Dabo's been fired, right? He's, he was on the staff that got fired. So it happens. It happens in, in coaching. I'm not saying that's going to happen. They haven't even started yet. I'm just saying it's it, looking at what they have, what they had, and in their schedule, it's going to be tough, but it's a great opportunity for those guys to be uh, position coaches and not grad assistants or off-field assistants, you know, off-field assistants, administrative type assistants. So it's it's like kind of like minor league baseball. Sometimes if you if if you get to a point and there's somebody that's an all-star ahead of you in the big league club, you're stuck. So that right. that happens at a place like Clemson, and maybe Hot Rod didn't see any way, especially knowing that C.J. Spiller was going to get the running backs job. Maybe he didn't see any way that that the um, anybody was leaving, you know, or, or he was going to get up. So a lot of those positions aren't paid either. So they're they're going to school yeah. for free, but yet they're they're not paid positions. They're getting paid on camps, and so now it's an yeah. opportunity to get a paycheck too, earn your keep, and keep moving up in the coaching ranks. So it's good for them. I, I'm happy for them, and I'm going to be a Warhawk fan. Maybe I'll get a T-shirt for next season. So that's right. Well, and th- and there's another thing you mentioned that. Um, that made me when you were talking, it made me think of like my career, you know, you leave somewhere 
And like 10 years later, you run into somebody, you ran into somebody who knew somebody who knew that guy. And there you are. And that's how coaching works too. And these guys very well could end up back at Clemson at some point. Now is just not their time. And but they're getting a great opportunity. So good luck to those guys. We'll be following uh, ULM next year. Hey, I don't know if you know or not. Have you heard? Jeremy Pruitt got fired. <laughs> I don't know. For some reason, I'm really hungry for a Big Mac right now. <laughs> Quarter bed of cheese, please. So Tennessee candy and uh, or bagged him. <laughs> Tennessee bagged him <laughs> and uh, Kevin Steele has managed to worm his way into a head coaching job after all this year so uh, what do you think about the going-ons at Tennessee man that's a dumpster fire isn't it uh, we always talk about uh, University of South Carolina a lot of times being the dumpster fire but it really feels like Tennessee is just they're in trouble man I, I don't even know exactly I guess I, I do because I've heard the stories about recruits getting money in McDonald's bags, but they're in a lot of trouble for recruiting. And uh, Who knows what's going to happen with them? I, I think the NCAA has really shied away from giving death penalty, um, but uh, they're going to be on the hook for something. And who wants that job? Is that going to be something that Kevin Steele takes? I know it's his alma mater, but is that, a, <laughs> is that a job that he really would want and want to stick around with? And I'm hearing Jamie Chadwell's name being thrown around to go there. Why would you want to go there right now? You're going to, maybe it is Kevin Steele's job to have because he's a reclamation project in his own right. Uh, maybe he wants to be a head coach. Heck, he can do it there, lose a hundred games a year and, and not get fired. Uh, you know, I don't know, and do it the right way and, and try to build his school back up. That's tough. And I hear they're, they're coming after Georgia next. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I hope they at least went to Burger King. <laughs> I heard uh, I heard Tennessee hasn't won 10 games since 2003, I believe, was the year I heard. I think that was Van Pelt that was talking about that today because he was talking about teams that think they're what they used to be, right? And um, Tennessee, he said, is, is not the only one, but he, they're, they're certainly one of the ones who are living off a 1998, I think, national championship. So, um, and Clemson did that for a long time, right? <laughs> a long, long, longer than 17 years. So we know what it feels like. Alabama, I think, has lost six people off their staff, if I heard correctly. That is incredible. Now, I don't know if that includes grad assistants and all that kind of thing, but we know um, – They've lost some significant, obviously, because I live here in Austin. They lost um, their offensive coordinator um, every year, it seems like. And now I hear, who is it? It's Bill O'Brien, and there was somebody else. Is it um, the coach that just got fired from the uh, – Yeah. Kevin Sumlin? Uh, no, um, uh, from the – Oh, Pruitt. Jaguars. Jaguars, I heard. Maroon, was it? Somebody. Anyway. Maroon. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be the offensive line coach, and they were that's they were also talking about it. what NFL head coach goes down to college to be a line what? coach. It's crazy. That's incredible. But that's what it is at Alabama. That's what's happening now. Yeah, they they lose the people every year, and and same same guy on on the sidelines uh, message boards that we talk to. I say message boards. It's our little text chat that we that we talk back, saying that you know this is just that what what they do. This is what they deal with on a on a yearly basis. And as soon as Pruitt got fired, I said he'll end up at, at Tuscaloosa. He'll probably just go directly from Knoxville, Tennessee, to Tuscaloosa, <laughs> Alabama. I mean, I'm sure he still has his house down there, and they'll just they'll just plug him in as a defensive analyst or wherever he may may fall. But I guarantee his name comes back up in Tuscaloosa. Uh, I thought he would get the defensive coordinator job if. 
if uh, their coordinator went with Sark to, to yeah. Texas, but apparently the defensive coordinator is staying at Alabama. But, it, you know, I'm glad that Clemson is not Alabama in losing coaches like that every year. I do trust Dabo that he has a succession plan for each of these guys that are, are coming, and you know it's coming from within a lot of these places. A lot of these coaches would probably anyway. Um, but, man, that that's tough, changing coaches every year. These kids that are probably being recruited by a guy like Sark saying, yeah, I'll be here for all four years, and then year two he's gone. Um, you know, you feel for some of those kids, but as long as the main man is the main man, I guess you can you stay, you stick it out. Well, all you gotta do is you know be a coach at Alabama for a year or two, and you're you're a head coach somewhere, or you have the opportunity to be a head coach somewhere. Yeah, it's one not a bad things, gig if you can get it, right? It's not a bad gig. Well, one of the uh, things I've I wanted to talk about, and I forgot we're talking about the change in the Clemson coaches. Change can sometimes be good, right? You get in a rut, you get stuck everywhere. It's my one of my favorite sayings. I always laugh about to my boss. I, I said, I'm all for change as long as it doesn't affect me. <laughs> um, but change is good. A lot of times change can be good. Fresh ideas, you know, new, new stuff going on, maybe f- fresh eyes on a, on a situation where you start to become stale, which we've, you know, seen to some extent, at least in my mind on the offensive side of the ball, maybe. So change is not always bad. So, um, just Alabama seems to have more of it than your average college football team. Well, it's, it's hard. It's hard to keep up with the attrition. You know, yeah. it's hard enough when four four years these or four three four or five years of these kids getting used to a new a new bunch of a bunch of prospects. Now you got to get used to six new coaches on your staff. That's crazy. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, uh, we started talking about this at the top of the hour. Clemson basketball is playing Georgia Tech right now. It looks like it's forty four to thirty five. Georgia Tech with eighteen forty seven to go. Tiger started off as a ball of fire had the COVID issues where they lost two games and were off for a while, then played Virginia and got smacked. Um, of course, Virginia just threw everything up and went in the basket. They weren't even looking on half of them, I think. It's like the Harlem Globetrotters out there, man. They couldn't miss a shot. And uh, so I thought, bringing me, said, well, same thing's going to happen to Georgia Tech. It doesn't appear to be that way, at least uh, to the first half and a uh, couple of minutes of the second half. Yeah, down, down. I see forty six thirty five right now. Uh, yeah, you know, I I don't know what it is because they did look good against just about everybody they've played, and then so it, the schedule doesn't get easier either. They go to Florida State, and yes, they beat them the first time around, but that's going to be a hungry Florida State team. It's a really good, long, athletic Florida State, well coached Leonard Hamilton, one of the best coaches in the country, uh, and great recruiter as well. He, he's got nothing but talent there down there. In Tallahassee, so this could if if and Clemson loves to come back and has been able to do so with the likes of Nick Honor, Amir Sims, obviously uh, Chase Hunter, but they're turning the ball over like crazy. They turned the ball yeah. over the other night. They couldn't score. It was something like twenty to two with yeah. eight minutes left in the first half. It was just hard to watch. So you chalked that one up to the COVID. But now you now you had a full week to practice together. You had Brownell back together. You think you're healthy. I, I mean, we haven't heard anything. We hope that Clemson's healthy. Uh, but now they're they're kind of down in Atlanta, getting drubbed a little bit by 11, under 18 minutes left to go. I do like this team a lot. I really do. Even if they lose tonight and lose Saturday, I still like this team. Um, I think they are towards the top half of the ACC, especially this year with the ACC being as down as it is. Duke's not very good on paper. Uh, or uh, on by record, North Carolina struggling by their record as well. 
there's no one really other than Florida State, maybe Louisville. Virginia is very good. Um, so you're still, I, I still think you're four or five in the in the ACC. Uh, it's a good team, very deep. I don't like I said, I don't know what's going on tonight. Haven't really dug down and watched. I taped it though, so I hope to watch it later. And uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We got to get get something going though. Need a need a W. I thought tonight was going to be it. Yeah, they had a couple of those bad turnovers you're talking about earlier. I was watching before you jumped on, before we jumped on here live. A couple of little really bad turnovers. They did some things that reminded me of the old teams, you know, the dribbling a lot and then getting stuck in a corner or getting stuck where you have to try some very, very difficult pass and uh, turning the ball over. So let's hope they get that. They just went down 16. And I don't know what it is, but these opposing teams – Virginia was at seventy percent till about four minutes from the floor till about four with with about four minutes left in the game. It dropped down to like fifty two. They must I don't know what they were doing. They were at sixty percent from three as well for a majority of that game. Georgia Tech, I I turned it on for three seconds. I was watching it on my phone just on the side. They hit a three, two turnovers by Clemson and and a dunk. So just like that, it was. It's been. I'm turning it off now because I. It's in true superstition fashion, superstitious fashion. I believe it's my fault. So maybe you won't watch the replay. All right. Uh, probably not. We, we are a week closer to college. Uh, well, let me, before we get to college baseball, I want to tell you, I've seen some Gonzaga play and I saw Baylor play the other night. Those are two really, really good basketball teams. College they are this year. There, there's, there's those two and, and a big drop and everybody. Like college football. <laughs> it, it, it feels like it. It really does. Those are men, man. I know they're all young men, but those are men. Those are grown men playing for both those squads. Uh, Mark Few is a heck of a coach. And I guess it, well, it was a Bryce Drew coaching yeah. for Baylor. Man, they just, I don't know what they're doing in either one of those places, but man, Gonzaga. Gonzaga is one of those teams I always pick in my bracket every year. Like, this is the year, Gonzaga. I believe this is the year. This is the year. I'm going to say it again, and I'll pick them when we, when we do our bracket challenge. It but sounds like it sounds like Georgia fan there. This is the year. <laughs> next, wait till next year when we get the next guy in. But. As, I started, as I started to say, college baseball is a week closer, man. I'm looking forward to it. I know you are. Um, we got to get JP on soon, JP Priester from allclemson.com to, to give us a lowdown on the 2021 Tigers. Yeah, I love college baseball. As I said, I love all aspects of college baseball. I'll go watch um, Seton Hall University's close by. I know the head coach there. I'll go watch them play a, a whole bunch this year. Uh, you, you know, uh, I have other other schools around. Rutgers isn't too far from me, so I'll watch them because I love. I just love the ping of the bat, even though they dampened the bets over the last few years. Uh, I love the I love the slaps of the gloves. I just love everything about college baseball. I love pro baseball too, but I love college baseball. It's real. It's raw. Um, my, one of my best experiences ever in sports was going to the 2009, I believe, College World Series in Omaha. Saw a great a bunch of uh, professional players that I didn't think at the time, had no idea, were playing. Jason Kipnis was one. Um but yeah, just uh, it was it was fantastic. It was just a great experience, just real raw emotion that they they play with because a lot of these guys aren't aren't going pro, and if they do, they don't last there long uh, in the in the minor league system. So, not to be long winded as I'm known to, as I'm apt to be, but I love college baseball, and I, obviously I love Clemson baseball too. I think Monty Lee's got a really loaded uh, loaded team this year to to do some stuff. I know they're not ranked in a couple of polls; they are ranked in other polls. Um, but I think if the arms if the arms work out. 
the sticks are going to come around and they usually start slow at, at, at the plate. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't know if they have big bashers, but I could be wrong there, but I'm not sure they have the big bashers that they've had in the past with the Seth beer or Chris Williams. Um, but I know they have a lot of speed, a lot of speed at the top of the lineup and really good arms. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited. It's a good mixture. Uh, yeah. Uh, Monty Lee likes power. So, um, well, he likes speed too. So he, he must, he must have somebody. I just, he's got, he's got somebody. Cause I think, uh, uh, what's his name? Hackenberg, uh, Hackenberg can hack. That's true. Uh, it, it, so doesn't, it doesn't help. They only played a, a handful of games last year, so I didn't really yeah. get a true feel of them. I didn't. I, I think I watched two games of theirs on, on TV. Another thing too, we don't want to forget softball because that's another yes. thing that's really, really great. That that's at Clemson. That they're, they're in year two of existence, and those ladies really surprised uh, some folks last year. They ended up ranked really pretty high, and we're we're on a roll. They beat some really top teams: Florida State, Georgia. Um, it, it was it was a lot of fun for them too. So I I can't wait to get back to Clemson to go to a I, game in that stadium. No, people are going to make fun of me and probably us because I know you agree with me. We've already talked about this, but I came across an Instagram post. Uh, I think when the softball uh, schedule was released or or something, something came across Instagram. Those uniforms that those ladies wear, those young ladies wear, are just spectacular. Um, the color combinations, the all gray. I saw all gray with the with That's the orange point. lettering was just spectacular. So yes, we're gonna we're gonna cover some softball, um, and hopefully we'll talk about it more than just the uniforms uh, because they are really really good, or at least they were last year. There's a rumor too that the Clemson baseball team may go all orange at some point this year, so they're gonna uh-huh. go orange tops, orange bottoms. That'd be interesting. Also, and they wear those white white cleats a lot of times so that that might look good i know we're traditionalists on the football field but i know some of the other teams really try to do a little bit something different not over the top i mean even the gray gray had the purple and orange uh script lettering it looked it looked really sharp on the ladies uh they look great and 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 i I love it It, they look great They, they play great for for the part of the season they got to play all right beef close it up for me if you would sir all right. Well, thank you so much for listening. For Thanks to everyone in the Facebook group, the College Football, Seldom News Reserve College Football Discussion Group, especially our boy Nelson Wilhite for all of his help always and his editing skills for somebody's, yes. somebody's articles. Thank you, Nelson. <laughs> thanks to everyone on Seldom News Reserve that watches Sluggo, Chopping Beef. It's tomorrow night we record. Each and everyone who listens, likes, and shares our show on behalf of that guy, Seldom News Reserve, Marty Coleman. I am the beef. Which way? I am the beef. Casey the Beef Creek, and thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week on Slugger. Yep. And don't forget to get your Irish peeler. See you next week, Casey. <laughs> I think that sounds pretty good. <laughs>